Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Hope you're all well. Uh, we're looking ahead to the next weekend of Allianz League hurling action and also the AIB Cup final is on this weekend. Local derby between Bally Gunner and Bally Hale um, from either battle side of, of the Battle of the Ballys. Yeah, from either side of that disputed Kilkenny Waterford border. So uh, it should be a good one. They have recent history as well. So we'll, we'll have a little chat about that. Um, joined by Rory O'Neill as always. Anthony Daly is back with us. He's like a bad penny. Can't get rid of him. And Connor Neville is here as well. Seen a lot of you this week, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I say I've got a magnetic personality, Dale, <laughs> uh, or something along those lines? Um, we were talking on Monday. We were, we were having a good laugh about the well, the Limerick Wexford result and how it was more of your era, Dale. And I actually, I, I I went looking this morning to see what I could find in terms of Limerick results. Mainly because I don't want people to think I do absolutely no research for this podcast. I do Google, on, Google is an awful thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do on occasion do a trawl through Wikipedia. So in 2017, Wexford won 14, Limerick 14 points. Same venue, same time of the year. These two teams can nullify each other. Um, I was looking and I was looking, but I found a match in 2011 where Limerick only scored 2-9. It was okay though. Claire scored six points. <laughs> six points. Yeah, we're, we're bad enough facing into you do we can now, Mike. Without reminding us, yeah. So that was a Gerald Auckland's day. Uh, that that wasn't it. That what wasn't time a good of the year. Were these games? Yeah, this is what I'm getting on to. Is just that these this time of year can really throw up some freak results. Um, and then you have to go back to March 2010, say the the dark days of the Limerick Revolt and the uh, the B team being played, etc. When they lost to Tipperary two twenty four to eight points, oh, I think yeah. that was the last day to be team. Nicky Quaid was playing wing back on that team. That was the one thing I found interesting about I it. I think the Dubs gave him a fair hide. Now I remember I was in the side. It, was, it wasn't we, a good league for we them. We had to win. You know, was that if they have if they happened to turn up in Parnell and beat us, they'd have put us down on the head to head. We'd won no other game. So you were nearly putting out your championship best against Limerick's what fourteen. So, <laughs> yeah, days. yeah, dark days, but it just. Because you always think winter hurling, it's it's the one eleven to eleven scoreline. But in a way, I would say that the Waterford Dublin match the other weekend kind of also epitomised winter hurling Dalo in that there was plenty of scores, but the ball wasn't moving too quick. There was a lot of rucks. There were seventeen cards. Um, lads were getting to know each other. The ball wasn't moving as quick. So there, there there's several ways to describe winter hurling. But it got me thinking, um, maybe. Who were the guys you came up against, or the guys you played with, when there was an R in the uh, in the in the in the month's name? You were happy uh, enough to have them alongside you. Yeah, I used to I used to love those those three rounds before Christmas. Uh, Mikey, they were to say the least, they were very sociable. Like a away trip to Wexford might mean a return journey on a bus, uh, a CIE bus on on Tuesday, maybe. <laughs> so and uh, it was nearly acceptable as well. And uh, but of course, look. Um, you're never as fit as the modern guys, you know. We were always putting on ledger and uh yeah, she's our backs, like in general, you now with, with the exception maybe of uh, Frank Lohan, <laughs> myself and Dyler definitely, and it used to winter well. And yeah, sure. Look, we great battles with Limerick at that stage. I mean, ourselves in Limerick, whether it was in Ennis or in the Gaelic grounds, would draw a massive crowd. I think twenty-five thousand there at one stage. 
uh, one of the years in 97, you know, so um, and a couple sent off and a uh, good bit of sledging and stuff with Hula and Clarky and all those greats. But uh, in general, I think it's the forwards hated it, you know, because they were probably more nimble and, and, the, one, and the backs loved it because the ball would be stuck in the muck. And too many pitches now, Mikey, are too uh, well-drained and sand-based and all that now. It was better. It was better. The natural sod was better. I remember it, before we made a breakthrough, I remember Matt, Mark and Teddy McCarthy one day in the old Parky Keeve and like to say he had little interest in the match was an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> it was late November, like, and he wasn't going by. <laughs> he didn't want to be there, but he still went sky high and got the first ball about three foot over my head. Like. But uh, yeah, there was memorable days. Great, great crap. Well, <laughs> I like that idea. A sociable Teddy McCarthy. Yeah, no interest yeah. in playing. He hadn't any great interest in the overall occasion on the day. <laughs> who springs into your, your, your mind, Connor? For me now, it would be the likes of The Rock, lad, who be quite happy to kind of stand in one place um, and greet what came at him. Oh, interesting. Uh, for some reason, John Carroll is coming into my mind. I don't know. He strikes me like he would be, he would be, he would be the right stuff for what you're talking about in terms of <laughs> winter early. I'm interested. I'm, I don't know if Dalo is calling for groundsmen to be fired before the next <laughs> season. I don't know. That's, maybe that's the solution. I think he Joe just Rab- wants an optional club ground for the winter months. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Rabbit, Joe Rabbit was another one I can remember. <laughs> he'd Joe gone, Rabbit, yeah. He'd be up for it as he would in July, like, you know. <laughs> he'd go on hard and you might be feeling a bit tender on yourself. <laughs> Jeez. It eventually led to... Violence breaking out. Galway were a good league team in that era anyway, because they couldn't play again until August anyway. But John Tracy, like as well, up the other end. I didn't I didn't um you know I didn't remember Damien Byrne as well from Waterford and someone got the bright idea in Waterford to make Damien Brown or Damien Byrne into a forward at one stage and it was a bit of a nightmare if you were in the Clareful backline, to be honest. In the early 90s, he was, oh God, <laughs> you'd get in close to him anyway because staying out was a recipe for six or seven stitches. You'd get in under him. <laughs> Cork, Corkman, obviously, Rory, not a league team, no interest in playing hurling in the winter. No, <clears throat> always uh, summer hurling is what uh, Cork hurling is generally associated with. But I am reminded of a really good friend of mine who was, Ah, look, he was a junior hurler and they got to the Southeast. It's the Carrick Down division. They got to the Southeast junior final and um, he was on to me for ages and he said, look, come down. It's a big game. You know, there's going to be a big crowd. So I said, look, I drove down from all the way down from Dublin. And when I got down, the match was down in Tracton or one of these places, you know, off out the beaten end. Oh, it was horrific. I mean, the weather was atrocious, like bucketing down, freezing cold, howling winds. You know, you're nearly out in the sea. Uh, so the, and there was a lively enough crowd there but I always remember the ball went into the full back line and it did not come out for about I'd say about eight or nine minutes it just <laughs> right? it was about eight or nine minutes was in there and when it eventually came out there was a cheer there was a cheer around the ground yay you know like <laughs> and to me it was the epitome of winter hurling and it was just like ah oh, listen I think fellas that go out there and Put it on, and and the funny thing, given that we were going to discuss it, I had a look. Uh, I actually had a look at Leash versus Tipperary in full last night. And my God, the conditions that that match was played in! It's funny when I watched it back and realised, like, well, actually, the quality was pretty high from both teams, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I I think the whole notion of winter hurling, 
has shifted because the seasons have shifted. And one other thing that I think is worth bearing in mind as well, actually, lads, is my father was buried on the 10th of May last year, God rest him, right? And uh, the funeral, and I remember this distinctly, obviously, as you would when your father's buried, the funeral was on the 10th of May, and it was howling winds, freezing cold, lashing rain, sleet, nearly snow, and the championship is starting on the 16th of April. So there's no guarantees we're going to get the sort of silky conditions that we may have been used to in the past in the championship either. Yeah, that was kind of one of the reasons it, it, it occurred to me because you look at it and like I was looking through those old fixtures and I was getting a bit of a laugh out of it. But like th that one where Limerick scored eight points to Tipperary's 224, Dalo, that was March, you know, like. We, we we don't live in a country where the summer stretches for months on months like we think june july and august and we always get freakish weather in september to mm. to suit what, where the all ireland used to be it's a fact of the matter that you know the fabled monster championship a lot of it's going to be played in april now and early may and it is going to slightly change matters isn't it i think it so. is yeah you yeah. could have you could have wind and rain i know like just looking at it from a clearer point of view like i know we know that now that cork have seen Ed Sheeran as more important than the Monster Championship that uh, we, we play two in Torles, two in Torles, two in Ennis. So they're fairly guaranteed good surfaces. Anyway, you know, Ennis is right up there now that the surface. So in that sense, but you could have a terrible day. And I, I actually used to hate April because usually just January, February, March, you were slogging mm. in the training. But in April, you really had to start doing a lot of hurling training. And your fingers would be getting belts and they'd be frozen. And you know, so, yeah, it doesn't it? I think teams will be looking at this league and saying it, it might be crucial practice for what lies ahead in, in the Munster and Leinster Championships. There's only three hurling matches going to be played in July, three inter county hurling championship matches played in July, and none in August. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of mad when you think about it. Do you think it suits anybody in particular, Connor? You're kind of you'd be thinking the more physical teams, your beloved Galway. Limerick, are these the teams will be more suited to a, a spring slash early summer championship? I suspect so, yeah. I mean, you, you'd imagine. I mean, I I wouldn't... I'd, I'm not sure the weather will be so bad uh, that, you know, Cork can be counted out or teams like that. I mean, Kilkenny traditionally... Kilkenny always struck me as a team who were very suited to those kind of winter conditions. Now, I know that it's different this year because... And summer, usually. And summer, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they could play it anyway, but in particular, they, they were very physical and very good at sort of rucks and, and rough ball and that type of stuff. They're obviously a bit neutered in this league, or early in the league at least, because of the Ballyhale contingent, which they're so reliant on. Um, I do think that, that there's a lot of nostalgia around the place for these type of low-scoring games. Um, I think it started kind of during the 2018 season, which was... Uh, a tremendous season in lots of ways, but the idea had begun to be floated that scoring had become far too easy. It was getting out of hand a bit, ball zinging well, over the well, bar. Connor, from... Connor, would you think the weather? Would you think the weather had a lot to play with that twenty, like the twenty eighteen season? Yeah. You're, you're spot on there, actually. That the twenty eighteen season was arguably the best championship that we've had for many, many years, right? But if that was a fantastic summer weatherwise, so do you think that had a that had a, that boosted the quality of play that possibly? We saw? I hadn't I hadn't considered that, but it's it's. It's definitely something to think about in terms of it was like, it was a bit like watching tennis at times. I remember around the time of the uh, semi-finals, Galway, Clare, and Cork, Limerick on the one weekend, first one a draw, Limerick won an extra time in the replay or in the second game. Um, the notion had come that it was a bit like watching tennis with your head sort of going this way and that, and it was 
the, the, the notion that the ease with which long range points were being taken were clipping, it was clipping some of the, the, the dimensions <laughs> out of hurling, you know, the contests, goals weren't really being worked anymore. I mean, in 2020, Limerick decided they didn't require goals at all to win the All-Ireland. And, you know, it is something, something to think about in terms of, you, you do wonder sometimes whether when hurling was being designed, they had this notion that you'd be able to take a point from such distance. It, it does feel like a sort of perversion of the original vision of hurling and it's clipping some of the elements of hurling out of the game, which I think is why people, um, there was such a, a refreshing uh, nostalgia around the place after the Wexford Limerick game at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think if every game played out one eleven to to eleven points, people would get tired of it quickly. I, I think Dalo might be happy, but there, others might be wondering <laughs> where's the long distance shooting. <laughs> um, Dalo and Jackie would be delighted. Yeah, I must say, twenty seventeen <laughs> when Wexford and Limerick uh, when Wexford beat Limerick won fourteen to fourteen points. Uh, Limerick did score 12 goals between their next two games against Leash and Kerry. So there might also be something that, you know, I think the spring weather do, does allow itself for a few more goals. Dalo, maybe it's just balls dropping short, you know, rather, you know, because the slitter is a bit heavier. So you get more kind of goal, goal mouth action, which is one thing everybody loves in hurling is a good, a good scramble around the goal mouth. So uh, swings and roundabouts. That's it. I'd say like, well, we're all kind of saying that John Kiley probably wasn't too concerned coming home in the bus. Mm. Uh, last Sunday evening, he, he probably would be still thinking that, you know, Conor McDonald had two more great goal chances along with the goal they got. And Limerick, really, we couldn't think of a goal chance, a real quality one anyway. So that maybe the inside line is a little area of concern and probably will see Shami Fanigan maybe starting there um, on Saturday night, I'd imagine. Yeah. L looking at that game, then, it's... It's a very interesting one. Obviously, it's it's the pick of the games. It's 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 live on the telly. Um, it's also funnily, it's going to be the it, there's going to be a huge crowd roar in the Gaelic grounds because Limerick haven't so. really had a chance to kind of salute this all conquering team in large numbers. And we've been seeing the crowds that have been coming out to matches because they're able to you know you're getting huge crowds like a sellout in Armagh for the football last week, etc. So you're probably going to have upwards of twenty five thirty thousand people in the Gaelic grounds on on uh, Saturday evening weather permitting it's it's going to lend itself a proper championship atmosphere it should we do we do have to remember as well rugby is quite popular down that neck of the woods so it could that could have an effect and then the weather as we say and i i def, i certainly would expect the Mackey stand to be full and a good good a good clatter of people on the far side and it should make for a very good atmosphere and it's going to tell us a lot i think it'll tell us a lot more about about Limerick, maybe, in terms of where they're at. I mean, it's very hard to put a gauge on them. I'd be very interested in Dalo's view on this. How much have they done, Dalo? How much work would they have done Limerick at this stage, would you think? And obviously, they're slightly interrupted as well. Look, they run all-stars. They won all, they did, they did massive all-stars. They did a big winter. They went on hop trips and holidays, and they were in Dubai, and they were in America, and all these types of things. And then obviously they have a huge number of lads playing Fitzgibbon, including the best hurler in the country, you know, who's tied up with uh, NUI Galway. So, I mean, how, like collectively training wise, what kind of numbers would they have? How much strength and conditioning work or fitness work would they have done? Are they a little bit behind everybody else? Would we think they I'd say so Rory, it's very hard to know. Obviously the modern player, while he might go on the holiday, I'd say he still visits the gym maybe five times in that week or maybe 10 times in that fortnight if they're away. That's mm. the kind of way it is now. 
Um, yeah, the interesting dynamic here, I think you look at it, he hasn't really in the Munster League and in the first round of the league, he didn't really push his Fitzgibbon players to play. You know, he said they have a match Wednesday. Whereas with Galway, you see Evan Island clipping 14 points last night. He'll probably play Saturday night. And even though they have a big all Galway semi-final uh, next week, you'll probably still see him playing. We'll see a few more of the NUIG guys. Um, interestingly, Brian Concanon got injured on last Sunday to go off after 20 minutes and he missed the quarterfinal of the Fitz uh, last night. So whether he'll be back fit Will Henry mind to care too much about how NUIG fair out, you know? Does he need to keep the winning streak going? But I think Kylie will, I think you'll see, look, they were good at the back, or right? 1-11 is, is very good. Nicky was brilliant, obviously, with two great saves. And I mean, Richie English didn't have Sean Finn and they probably don't need to play him. So good was Barry Nash, um, Dan and Richie English. So half back line was solid, I'd say. Will he, will he, I think the more you're looking at it now, and I've been touting this maybe for a couple of years, but could we see Kyle Hayes reappearing at 11 again? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, I know they have Keen and they have, but could he reappear somewhere in the half-hard line and maybe with Hago going full? Or Hago was really the only forward that functioned last week, you could have to say. Um, 18 wides again, Rory, that would tell you the very same as what they had in Ennis. Albeit that was an easy success in the Munster League final. Mm. So that's an, an area now I'd say. Be, but I'd say overall, he wouldn't have been happy with the attitude. Now, he might, he reminds me of Lucknan a little bit, John Kiley, that he mightn't have pushed too many buttons before they went to Wexford. Darry Egan probably had all his buttons pushed in, in terms of a, a good start. And he might, he might push a few buttons this week, though, that that was not good enough. And fellas are talking about, I deserve a chance here. And you got a chance, you didn't take it. Might give you one more now on Saturday night, but you better stand up to the level. So I'd say that you could see a backlash uh, from Limerick on Saturday evening and the wheel in front of that. I did, I'd say there'd be a massive turnout for them. Rugby and more rugby, I think they have yeah, 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 established yeah, a huge, you know... And they have a very loyal following. They always have a yeah, good following. Yeah, in fairness, yeah. they have a very good following. Even in the bad times, That's Limerick mm -hmm. have had a great following. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 That's an interesting idea Dalo's thrown out there, Connor. Kyle Hayes going back into the fours. When you think about it, they are... They're blessed with an awful lot of very powerful halfbacks, and they've got they've got a sur a, sur a surplus of uh, full back line players now who could possibly be moved forward as well. So you've got a you know one of the best athletes in the game there. You don't have to pay him at seven. You're not married to paying him at seven, and we all know he can play eleven, and I'm sure he could play anywhere across that half forward line. He, he did get man of the match in the. 2018 on yeah. center forward, wasn't it? So yeah. he has operated there. Now, I, I thought he was even better when he stepped back to wing back because he really um, was able to go on those galloping runs. And, it, you know, we saw it in the um, final last year, that goal. But we, we've seen it plenty. It? We, we see it plenty of times. Uh, the one thing that always strikes me about Kyle Hayes is, I mean, every time he seems to barge into a rock Limerick win the ball almost immediately I mean it seems to come back on the Limerick side within seconds so he's he's able to do almost everything I, personally I, I quite liked him at wing back because he seemed to have the space to really get up ahead of steam but certainly they have they have you know ample room to maneuver in terms of the athletes they have and their versatility I mean Declan Hannan Seems strange to remember he was a forward once upon a time, you know. Mm. He's, he's now the archetypal playmaker centre back there. So, you know, they can they can move flip players between 
half back and half forward, there's no problem. Sort of almost reminiscent of you see Tyrone in football. They're almost interchangeable. I think Connor, my Casey is almost, you know, he's fully fit. He's taking part in all the matches in training. So mm. go back to 18 again. Mikey yeah. Casey, how you know how crucial yeah. was he uh, at mm. fullback back then? So the, the options at the back are huge. So maybe with Peter Casey out of the equation up up top, it might be uh, you know looking at, at something like that. But you look at imagine Galan this week in training. Like and we all know how good Galan is. Like what a player. Like I mean, he'll be stinging at training this week, and and, and you he'll start. I'd say Saturday night, and uh, you could see a kickback from him and Jamie and himself maybe. Two two absolutely new players could Oshin O'Reilly could start. You know who who else would start up there? But yeah, I, I have a feeling there'll be a kickback off them. I'd be Galway would be delighted with the, the amount of goals they scored and how impressive they were. So they might also have you know uh, maybe a couple of the Thomas's lads might come back into play there for them because they got a little break. I think you know they got a week yeah. off, but they were back in training straight away then and obviously rested them last weekend. So they, one or two of them. And maybe Fenton Burke or something like that might David Burke even might come into play. It's still yeah. hard to gauge with Galway. I mean, I was at the Walsh Cup um, game against Dublin. Now it was a bit, it was a small bit disquieting. I mean, it's hard to know what to read into the Walsh Cup. Um, but the manner of the defeat was was because they did bring on the Mannions at halftime, and it didn't really improve. Now you don't know where these players are at. Um, you know, the game was a complete wipeout. The most memorable moment from the game was when the poor umpire. Um, managed to wave the green flag when the ball clearly went into the side netting, which the entire stadium <laughs> fell about laughing. Yeah, that's what was great, crack. <laughs> and Sean Clear walked in very slowly to it. So he left, he left it, Stu. He left the laughter gather and reach a full crescendo. Both Dublin and Galway supporters laughed and showed how low stakes the game was. I was about Galway, to say that tells you what you should think of the Walsh Cup, really. Yeah. So, you know, they were better the last day. They appeared in rude health. I mean, again, it's hard to know because Offaly are just feeling their way back to this level and they're still way off it. They've earned Joe McDonough, obviously, this year. So Galway scored four goals, could have had eight. Um, there was talk of transition. Maybe we could cool that a bit because, you know, Connor, Connor Whelan is still in the prime of his career and he's going to be a big, big player, I suspect, for them in the next couple of years in terms of his... Um, his abilities as a target man, as a scorer and a creator in particular. Um, and they yeah. also have the Fitzgibbon contingent to come in, the all-Galway semi-final come up. And Evan Nyland looks set to step up to be the key, one of the key marksmen in the attack. And Con Cannon, I'd say, whether he mm. plays or not now Saturday night, Connor, but I'd say Brian Con Cannon is really looking mm. like he's found the level at this, uh, like Nyland, that they've found their feet at this level. Yeah. So, and Carl he was Mannion, taken off, he was taken off, taken off against Offaly after he was injured, right? I was just going yeah. to ask. I presume that was an injury. Was it? Yeah, a he 17? didn't. He didn't yeah. play last night at all for NYG. So he came off after 19 minutes. I think 17 so. or 18 yeah. minutes. Yeah. He yeah. um, I, like Rory. We're, we're, there's no doubt in the talent of these lads, and we've been like championing them for a few years. I guess what's different now is Joe Canning isn't there, and we're, we're every everything's being assessed now in a in a post Joe Canning world, you're no longer trying to play alongside Joe Canning. There's this temptation now among Galway fans to probably anoint a new Joe Canning, which is probably not a very helpful thing to do. You have to kind of, you know, get over the fact Joe Canning is gone and realize this is no longer a team that has or necessarily needs a Joe Canning. It's a, it's an entirely new dynamic. I think so. And I think that might actually be a little bit of a weight in one sense, lifted off a few shoulders. If you were a young lad kind of coming through, of course, you would want somebody of the stature presence 
the contribution that he's made to the game, the caliber of player that he is, you would obviously want him in the dressing room alongside you. But at the same time, you know, when he does go, it does create a vacuum. That vacuum will need to be filled in terms of leadership, responsibility, lads being prepared to step up now um, in his absence. And I think that can actually bring players on to a certain extent. You could see some of the younger players that may have been, uh, you know, slightly reticent about, you know, kind of grabbing hold of this team, you know, really come to the fore over the next couple of weeks. And they do have still the bones of a very, very good side of the team. Still lots of experience. There's still the Mannions. Parik is still playing superb stuff. You've got the Joe Cooney. You have, um, obviously, uh, you know, um, a few of the lads to come back in. As, as Dalo said in relation to um, the college lads and the St. Thomas's guys. So, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's probably a year where Galway might be given a pass in terms of a transition from COVID stroke Joe Canning stroke whatever went before to the new Henry Shefflin era while he finds his feet. You just don't know what opportunities might present themselves with. And if they can go out on Saturday night and put in a really good spirited performance and even, you know, who knows, maybe even sneak a win. Imagine what that would do for their confidence. Jesus. I don't, don't, don't want to float a Ewing theory in relation to Canning. You know, the, the theory that the Knicks were better without Reggie Ewing. Patrick Ewing, <laughs> wasn't it? Not Reggie. But... Uh, well, they have dealt without Joe Canning before. I mean, they won in Nolan Park in 2019 without him. And when he came off against Limerick in the 2020 semi-final, they weren't weakened substantially. I mean, Nyland came on and hit two great points from play. So sometimes when a player, a, a big um, marquee player departs, it can give space for the other lads to yeah. flourish. Galway, I mean, I, I think their their issues are more around the middle. I mean, Garage McInerney scored a great galloping goal the last day. I mean, I, I, I had a fear that he was... His kind of he was becoming a problem for them in that position, and he, he kind of lost the totemic form of 2017, and he was being a bit exposed and sort of balls out wide and, and so forth. I know they'd moved him to full back and they'd experimented with Dahi Burke centre back, but their problems are around that middle third. Carl Mannion, I know, is slotted back into midfield. He can be very hot, very hot and cold. Like it's mm. it's either brilliant or he can really struggle in games, so yeah. they have an issue there, I think. Which what you'd probably I wouldn't mind see. if he was. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if he was down the road, forty or fifty miles. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Take him. Yeah. What you might see, though, I think to a certain extent, and this was something that I noticed. No, look, it's very so obviously. A, 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 it's a different uh, kettle of fish when you're dealing with club level, but it's a very Kilkenny thing anyway. Is to plant big blocks, big pillars in terms of when you're building your house right down the spine and the middle of the team. They will plant, you know, big leaders, big players at 3, 6, 8, 9, 11, and 14. And I probably see Henry kind of doing something similar in that that'll give him, you know, a really good solid base and make them extremely difficult to beat. And that'll be their first start. That'll be their starting point. And if they can flesh that out then they have an awful lot of options in that uh, they do they do like they do like Fintan Burke was absolutely Mm. superb for Thomas's at three Shane Cooney obviously then was a huge loss for Thomas's at six Mm. he was an option 
I'd say Gerard McInerney, Connor. I'd say yeah, I thought he was fading as well, to be honest. Mm. But I'd say Henry Shefflin being announced as coming back yeah. would get you to the gym two mornings earlier and say, "My God, I'm going to get <laughs> this one." I'm going to show this fella. Like. You know, he's good he, on heavy ground anyway. We know that. Well, like <laughs> Parik Mannion, you know, can play there as well, and there's up the fierce options like around around the place there. So. Yeah, what it, whatever he settles on will be very interesting. And I, they have some amount of players, lads. I mean, how many minors did they win? They went four Ireland minors in a row? Five. Four, like, yeah. Five. Five and six. Yeah, yeah and beating in six one, was it? Yeah, and like, you only look at the fifth semi-final next week. Like, NUIG are operating with an exclusively Galway team, except for Keane. And uh, a tip lad, Connor Forward, name just won't come to me now, it's like 13, and all the subs that come on are Galway. And the IT... Are exclusively Galway. I don't think there's anyone from anywhere else. Yeah. Might be one awfully led, maybe I think. So it'll tell you the amount of quality players are in the county. It's just maybe settling on that best 24 or 5 and um getting them playing regularly together and getting the patterns right. You and get the impression. Shefflin. Yeah, Shefflin, Rory mentioned there, you know, kind of it's it's a free hit. Everything we know about Henry Shefflin's career. He he doesn't strike me, Dalo, as the kind of man who'd who'd look for a fallow year, or he'd kind of like say, "I will be grand. We don't have to win anything this year." That would just run contrary to anything I've ever heard, read, or thought of Henry Shefflin. Hundred percent, Mike. He couldn't yeah, say better. Like that, while that would be out there, that you know there has to be transition and new guys have to come into play. I I think Shefflin will have weighed up this before he went. That there's enough players there to. When he, went, when he came anyone. into TV, Dalo, when he came into TV, oh. he wanted to be the best TV analyst. Yeah, I'm going to show that Cusack fella now. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to be the best at everything. I thought I was the standard bearer there, not Dalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a <laughs> tremendous slap in the face for Dalo. <laughs> it's, it's the Cork thing, you know, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Corkness. A very clean-shaven Dalo as well, that slap, he really felt it. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on, lads. Um, Rory, you said you watched all of Tipperary yeah. versus Leash, so you are better placed than nearly anyone to tell us how Colin Bonner's ill-starred um, reign is getting going. Bit, that's the main reason that I watched. Like, there are some mutterings coming out that you know things may not be as... There might be, you know... A few issues in Tipperary probably exacerbated somewhat, obviously, with the departures of the two matters, namely Parik and Brendan, like for obvious reasons, one retiring by choice, the other retiring because of necessity. And they're massive leaders and massive guys to go. So I watched it. Now, look, it was against <clears throat> Leash, who were actually really excellent as well, to be fair. And I can tell you, they will give teams socks of it Below in Elmore Park, especially they are they are not they are not a bad side at all. Um, but so, but I was curious about Tipperary and like they're trying to do all of the right things. You can see in the modern game, and this was in like in the howlings of rain, lashings of rain, howlings of wind. You know, real they're into the wind in the first half, and they're still working the ball around the backs. You know, so they were playing short puck outs, looking for that extra pop pass, not afraid to go backwards to go forwards. Then, uh, you know, releasing it long into inside men, which they still have some very, very dangerous players in there in the, in the likes of Jason Ford and Jake Morris and invariably would pick up scores. But then they're able to marry a lot of that with the traditional silky skills that we would always associate with Tipper, Tipperary Hurling. 
they look in reasonably good physical shape in fairness to them given the weather that 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 played out and i was looking at the team that finished nine of this uh, sorry 12 of the team that finished the game against leash played in the all ireland final of 2019 when they won and the last time they were all ireland champions now people might say okay that's three years ago and they've moved on and a lot of these players are slightly more mature and they are and obviously Shamey Cal has probably more hurling behind him now than ahead of him certainly at intercounty level but I I I I I was very uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised and I would think Kilkenny you need to be under under guard going into this game on Sunday because I don't think Tipperary are in as bad a shape as some of the soundings would have you believe yeah uh wishful thinking Dalo from out from, from outside from some people I would imagine but uh, I suppose there, there's a there was an an impression anyway that their first two choices as manager were probably below in Waterford and Wexford now which is difficult for Colin Bonner who let's be fair he probably would have thought if he was going to get the Tipperary job he might have got it 15 years ago or 10 years ago you know, things work out in a funny kind of manner. Um, so I guess the probably positivity levels weren't as high and confidence levels, which are never usually lacking in Tipperary, may actually be quite low, which is it's just tough for Bonner, I suppose, to because he needs to get buy-in from everybody now as well because he is rebuilding. They've a brilliant coach as well. They've a brilliant yeah, holding coach. on to Tommy Dunn was crucial for me, Mikey, that you know, Tommy decided he'd stay on from the Liam Sheedy three years and work with Cullum. So for me, that was... You know, um, a massive statement that Tommy felt the squad was there. I know Tommy very well, and he'd walk, I'd say, if he taught the things. And the thing with Cullum as well, while he mightn't be as young as some of the managers would say, like Derry Egan now and these guys kicking in, he's been involved in the colleges scene so extensively, of course, with Waterford IT. So he'd be very familiar with modern training methods. And there's no better coach than Tommy as well. Like, you know, so... They won't lack from that front. If I was a tip player, I'd be quite happy with that management. I think maybe, okay, Liam Cahill was the obvious thing we, we probably taught. But um, no, look, I think there's exciting young players there. Mm. Maybe they didn't see as much game time as I would have taught in the last couple of years. I'm talking about the likes of who played well now, and I watched a nice bit of the the leash game as well, or I didn't see every bit of it now, but cr- like Craig Morgan from Kilroan now. It was hard to see. It was hard to see. Uh, Dylan Quirk seemed to have a, a, a good game. And then Jake Morris, as you mentioned, Roy, but also Mark Kyo and Mark, Mark they'd have been shocked to go out of the, the fits the way they did UCC against Carlo on, on Tuesday night. But Mark Kyo was still the best man I think they had. Um, and he was brilliant for them right through the, the campaign for UCC. So like, uh, Ron and being named manager as well, I think that he'd be rallying, rallying the troops. Uh, Mikey Breen played well, Barry Heffernan. So you have, you know, if plenty of experience. Yeah, I'd say, you know, it's a very interesting one. I probably fancy tipping it. But of course, you, know, you have Cody saying very, very average Kilkenny last week. So probably a sting in them as well. You'll probably see Morph back in goal. Um, the three belt. Here, lads, up front, I suppose, and even if Colin Finley was available, <laughs> would it be four of them would walk into the forward line at the minute? So they're down a lot. Hugh Lawler at centre back is an interesting one, well able to play out there, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, more more we'll know about tip than than Kilkenny for Sunday, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's it's strangely a little bit off Broadway feeling to this one, Connor, isn't there? Given that these are the yeah. two teams that absolutely dominated. 
hurling for what felt like it was not it was a little under a decade but or yeah, it was probably about a decade and like nobody could see passing a league meeting between them at this time of the year four or five years ago still was it was the only ticket in town and it's not that the fixtures being ignored now but people are certainly looking more towards Limerick v Galway as a game of possible a match against between possible contenders yeah, there were some thrillers back in the day. I remember a particularly high-scoring one in 2014, I believe, which Kilkenny won out in, as they as they tended to do usually in the league. Um, Cody never really took the foot off. He was win the next game. Philosophy seemed to be his approach. On, on Tipperary, I mean, obviously the mute, mood music is a bit um, dreary with them this year in terms of the absentees leaving. Um, you know, their their loss in the Munster League to to Kerry kind of. Uh, caught someone's eye again at the caveat that this is a pre-season competition I'd be very reluctant to read too much into beating Leash by four points or only beating Leash by four points as people would traditionally have seen it I mean we've seen in the past that Leash have caused serious problems for teams who you know were in rude health as it turned out I mean look at Waterford last year they, they were in trouble against Leash quite late in the game I think they were actually behind with 10 minutes left Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the instinct of people traditionally would be to say, if you're only beating Leash by that much, you're in serious trouble. And then they went and beat Galway and Tipperary over subsequent weeks. Even the year before, um, in 2020, Clare won by a point, I think, against Leash in Nolan Park. Now, they had David McInerney sent off, I think, in the first half. But after, And then the following week, Clare um, beat Wexford easily. And I, I do recall Brian Lohan making a point after the Wexford game to say that, you know, this notion, the, the, the criticism they received after the Leash game was unwarranted. It didn't take into account how difficult Leash were to play and how well they moved the ball. So, I mean, I think any sort of win in Leash is a decent win these days. And I, I, I think, again, it's it's two teams in a kind of an odd, an odd situation. Kilkenny missing a lot of their players made heavy enough weather of Antrim, I suppose, again, and Antrim quite up for the game, and they start. They tend to start these leagues well, as we saw last year, beating Clare. Mm. Um, on balance, I mean, with home advantage, I think I'd give the nod to Tipperary, given how depleted Kilkenny are in the forward line and how dependent they are on the on the Ballyhale contingent. So, but yeah. it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the teams line up with each other and where they're, where they're obviously, as you say, the Limerick-Galway game is attracting most headline attention. Yeah, well, actually, we will move to the club game now, lads. We'll finish up soon, but it would be remiss of us not to mention that club final uh, between Ballyhale and Ballygunner, um, a proper local rivalry, interprovincial local local rivalry. Um, Dalo, it was interesting. I saw that the um, the PR people had the uh, the gumption, the wherewithal to stick out Colin Fenley and Stephen O'Keefe as the uh, the media people as the interviewees this week, which was interesting because they're two lads who recently packed in uh intercounty hurling and now seem very very happy with their choice playing club hurling they're both their their quotes could have been interchanged it was like uh you know you do as much training with the clubs you do but there's slightly less pressure you know you've a bit more free time and uh, it was a great advertisement for the club game uh you um you got close obviously 97 wasn't it burr beat you in the semi-final um it does those of us who've never been involved can kind of poo-poo on it and say, look, it's a match between two parishes, et cetera, et cetera. But this, this is, it is something very special to win it. And Ballygunner having such dominance for so long in Waterford, they'll be desperate to add one of these national crowns. First yeah. Waterford team. Yeah, yeah. And for me, by three miles, it's the biggest game of the weekend in Hurland terms. Um, it's not Ireland final, it's championship. And 
I mean, these guys, everyone, every guy that you'll talk to that are playing inter-county at the weekend will, will speak about going back and trying to win a championship with the club. And yeah, it's huge. And, and the Gunners have been so good for so long. Go back over the years, fellas like Hartley, Flinner, uh, Billy Sullivan, great players. We, we, would have, we would have played them that year. We got out of Munster. We won Munster. We played them in an epic semi-final down in Turles. A great side as well. And um so, yeah, it would have suited both managers to put the two of those guys out there as well, Mikey. <laughs> you know, they're well experienced. You're yeah. not putting any pressure on, on, on any of the younger fellas as well. So I just think that the pendulum has, has moved towards Belly Gunner's favour. I just think, you know, I could be wrong. You'd nearly want to be bringing the cup in the gate of McGinn Park in Belly Gunner to, to be sure you'd this Belly Hale team bait <laughs> because we saw the defiance the last day. But I just think... Overall, good in Kilkenny, I suppose, but then, you know, so lucky to beat Rhinos, let's face it, so lucky so to get lucky. extra time. Struggled against Mount Leinster as well. I mean, I think the, the leash lads, uh, Clock Bellacala got caught in the headlights a bit and obviously the last day were hurled off the field in lots of ways, but still came up, you know, they did take over the match with 15 minutes to go, you have to say, and they were returning um, Thomas's puck outs nearly every time. Um and then TJ came up with the two bits of magic, obviously, with the penalty. And, and, Dale, and I want your opinion on that that free, because I watched it and it's amazing. You can't even, he hits it so hard, you can't even see where the ball goes. But why weren't there why weren't there 10 Thomas's players on the line? Why were they spread out all across the area? I'd say. Well, like maybe they hadn't planned enough for the situation, but yeah. what really happened was Colin Finley with a huge amount in getting the penalty as well. Now, there's a kind of a 50-50 split, whether he deserved the penalty or whether it was a free out initially. But uh, I was of the opinion maybe free out, but... You watch Colin Finley for while the penalty has been hitting. There's a great reverse angle that was going around from the stand. Mm. Like he walks across in front of the keeper. <laughs> and like, Mikey, I gave a lifetime of listening to Davy Fitz, well, 12 or 13 years <laughs> in and he roared, get him out of my eye line. But it was 21, like, you know, and Lohan would genuinely <laughs> lift anyone out of Davy's <laughs> island. And if you watch the last second as TJ's about to hit it, the goalie runs out, because he can't see with Finley. He runs out around Finley and he gets in front of Finley. A friendly. So therefore, at that stage, then he's nearly as near to TJ as he was for the penalty. So when he beat, when TJ beats the goalie, then with the shot, yeah. the lads in the line are blinded, the gods. absolutely blinded. And the two boys knew what they're at, and they're they're ter- terrible twins, of course, TJ and Colin Finley, and have been doing it for so so long. I just feel the Gunners with that with the way Desi just Hutchinson the- is playing, lads, and the space that that's creating for the likes of Peter Hogan, Billy O'Keefe, the Mahonies. Midfield is intriguing for me. Like I just think Levy and Sheehan are playing brilliant stuff all year for the Gunners. And if Ronan Corcoran is still out, lads, he's a top, top player. There's huge doubts about Darren Mullen as well. And I thought Darren Mullen was the man you, they would be picking up because he went off injured in the semi-final. That he'd be picking up Desi. But I just think overall in Crow Park, and if you look at where Benny Gunner played their best hurling, they were very poor in a, 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 a bottomless um, Dungarvan against Lockmore. They were brilliant up in Cusick Park, which was like July against Ballier. They were brilliant in Park Akeev against Kimalok. They're go- okay, they struggled a bit the last day against Lochneil and Parnell, but now they're going into Croker again. So, a bit of a contradiction. Maybe I'm talking six and one half because Ballier have been so good in Croker as well. But I just think now that they're at the very peak of their powers, the Gunners. And Am I going to be shocked if Ballier gets 3 3 or something? I won't be. But I think they have the, the more balance now and I think they'll bring it home with them. 
Yeah, they lost out a couple of years ago in the semi-final to Ballyhale Connor and Stephen O'Keefe has kind of ruined a couple of missed goal chances. That does seem to be the difference now that in Desi Hutchinson coming back, they aren't missing too many goal chances. They've got a lethal inside forward line and um, that, that, that could be the difference because when you've got TJ Reid and Colin Flannelly at the other end, you know the goal chances are going to be taken up there. So you, you have to be raising green flags, I would imagine, to win this game. Yeah, uh, on form... They look to have the edge. I mean, it feels like heresy, as Dillo says, to back against Ballyhale Shamrocks. And you're kind of asking for a smack almost. But uh, yeah, with the exception of the Leinster final, they've been in survival mode in the last while. I mean, it should have been beaten by Rhinos and it should have been beaten by Thomas's. So on form, you'd have to tip Ballygunner, the Blitz people in Munster, except Lockmore, Castellani, but they're hugely impressive in the Munster final. I mean, after a sluggish start, they completely ripped... Uh, Kilmalik apart. Um, yeah, Desi Hutchinson is, looks like one of the best forwards in the country on form at this point. Um, so, reluctantly, I give the nod to Bally Gunner. It'll be a breakthrough for Waterford as well because um, they've never had a club champion before. Um, I do recall De La Salle, or John Milan's De La Salle, as we're obliged to call them, uh, reaching the final in the late noughties, but that happened to co- uh, coincide with Portumna's peak, so they were very badly beaten at that point, but it will be a big, um, it'll be a big landmark for for Ballygunner if they can do it. Yeah, we lost Rory there. He's had to slip oh, off. He's nice enigmatically gone, and uh, Dalo left too. But he's he's come back. He's he's a pro. He's like, my points were so uninsightful. They had to just part the call for him. Sorry, Connor. Sorry. <laughs> Who'd you go for, Connor? Who'd you go for? I, t- I I I've echoed you. I've I've given the nod to Bally Gunner. Uh, I said I said it's heresy, and you know, I mean, I'm just asking for a backlash. Yeah, same as that. Same as that. I'm uh, I'm I'm a bet down Wexford Kerr who never bets bet, bets against the Gilkenny team. So I'm going to no. say Bally Hill. It is, I, I believe it's the case that Waterford might be the only uh, serious uh, hurling county, as we call it, not to have a club champion. So it will be a landmark if Bally Gunner do it. Will be a big boost for the overall Waterford thing as well, won't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah certainly will. Hugely. And, and I think they are on form the second best team in the country, or they've, they've shown it in the last. Yeah. It, it, they win. <laughs> it's a big, uh, it'll be a big battle won as well in that uh, disputed ferry bank border territory dispute as well. Um, all right. Thank you for coming back, Dale. You've come back to say goodbye, basically. I think I think we've everything covered. We'll be welcome for you in, in Ennis, Mikey, on, on Sunday as well. I'll be making my way over to that. I'm in the Gaelic ground Saturday night. so I'm looking forward to getting over and uh, Clarecastle senior training has been oh. brought forward to 11 o'clock to suit me to get to the park then and good I'm time. Not and nice. I go over to the far side with the great unwashed again and try and I rouse can't. it up from the <laughs> team we got in, in Parky Keeve. I can't yeah. believe the we team, didn't fixate the team on, at the moment, Wexford. Like. I can't believe we didn't fixate on Claire Wexford again. I mean, the narrative obviously isn't as strong these days. No, he's we, avoiding we, all that, Connor. He's avoiding all that. He's, look, <laughs> Wexford got discussed well on Monday. Um, there should be no close contact issues either, so we should be all right. Um, yeah, compensating now. Yeah. Anyway, lads, we'll catch up on that game next week. Thank you very much for joining, and we will chat to you all next week. Goodbye. Okay, yeah, lads. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! It's over the bar!